Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today. Sandra's got the day off. It's a family day for her, and I'm really excited that she's spending some time with the kids. And I wish you well, Sandra. I hope you're having a great day. There is um, a lot going on today across the country, and I think that it's really exciting. If you haven't been uh, looking around the, the website lately for, for things happening in Hollywood, it's really uh, a busy time. And I'm a- actually going to kind of put a little plea out there because I know um, there's been an awful lot of chat uh, around uh, the country about this uh, most recent movie, Lone Survivor. Uh, if you have not had information about it, it is the story of Operation Red Wings, um, a 2005 reconnaissance mission, which found four Navy SEALs ambushed by anti-coalition militia on an Afghan mountain. I've got I've got a little feedback here. I think I'm getting both the uh, the producer and whatnot. But anyway, I hope you can hear me. Um, it's a very heartfelt and exciting movie. Um, some people were saying it was uh, a little, a little tense and a little difficult to watch, especially for people who had uh, loved ones in this um, in this operation. We'd love to hear some of your feedback. I know some of our friends over in the. Uh, Parents of Deployed Service Members group has had some um, reaction to it. We would love to get some feedback from all of you, whether this was um, a good thing for you to process this movie and sort of see different sides of the incident, if it was something that you found um, very difficult to watch. I'm sure many, there's always the graphic, but, but beyond that, we know that there's an awful lot of um, of interest in in documenting history, and if nothing else, we're hoping that these documentaries that are coming out are in fact uh, documenting events in history. Uh, there's a lot of movies coming up in. Um, 2014. And if you have not had an opportunity to take a look at what's coming up, um, there's quite a few movies um, just released. And I know that uh, my husband and I are really anxious to go out to see Monuments Men. Um, It's a big budget, all-star extravaganza. It is um, the story of some museum curators who were forced into the role of a soldier as part of a little-known program called the American Military uh, 
Fine Arts and Archives program. And if you haven't had the chance to to catch a little bit of this uh, background, and if you have an opportunity to see it, there's been an awful lot of great responses about this. Later on in the year, though, we want to encourage you to uh, check out 300 Rise of an Empire. This is something that there's some controversy already on it, so we're hoping that you give us your two cents worth. Um, later, um, I think it's already been released is Generation War. Uh, later in the year, we have uh, a movie called Fury, um, which is the story uh, of that Brad Pitt plays an army sergeant named War Daddy. Um, his Sherman tank and his five-man crew uh, battled enemy lines in Nazi Germany. And um, one of the biggest talks right now is a film called Unbroken, uh, which is directed and uh, produced by Angelina Jolie. And it is already, uh, the anticipation level is pretty high on it. It's um, said to be one of the best stories of World War II ever. So if we'll have to get your opinions on that, too. <laughs> There's all kinds of things. And again, we're really hoping that if nothing else, we're documenting history. We're not um, putting out a lot of uh, things that are just Hollywood. We hope that they're actually getting some good documentaries in. Before I say hello to our guest today, I wanted to also uh, kind of give you a little rundown of what I've been finding on our Facebook. Because if you haven't joined us on Facebook, I hope you do. Military OneSource wanted to say Happy President's Day. And if you have not um, gone to this website, it is um, http go.usa.gov and it's a backslash B is in Bravo, V is in Victor, N. And it's all about presidents. Who is your favorite president? Check out the site from the White House to learn more about who uh, those presidents are and maybe a little something that you didn't know about the presidents. Um, There's something else, too, uh, that I did want to mention. Veteran-owned business directory. They have a a Facebook page as well, and I recommend you go there. One of the things that they are talking about is their veteran-owned food trucks if that's something that you ever thought of doing um it's there's a whole network of food truck businesses and they are all veteran owned if you want more information about that go to veteranownedbusiness.com and look for the red sign up button there's uh there's a lot of information there and if you're not going to drive the truck at least you can go and have lunch with them and support your veterans um another uh tidbit that I did want to share. The Blue Star Mothers Facebook page uh, is telling us of a story, a very serious story, of a wounded veteran, uh, Sue Downs. Corporal Sue Downs is a uh, double amputee. She lost her home on on Valentine's Day, so just shortly ago, and there is an initiative to help rebuild and give her freedom and independence of a 100% accessible home. If you would like more information about this um, program, 
It is you caring as in Y-O-U caring, C-A-R-I-N-G dot com. And again, there was some information on that from the Blue Star Mothers Facebook page. So there's a few little things that um, we have going on on our webs on our side of the of town, and I hope that you definitely give us a little information uh, from your end of town. We hope that you'll you'll give us some uh, some information from your neck of the woods. Definitely give us some feedback on the movies, though, because uh, we we're we're excited to to see a lot of this information out there. Today, I'm so anxious to introduce you to our guest. Um, today, we have Dawn Zebor. She is an Army veteran. Um, she's a helicopter pilot. She flew UH-1 Hueys and UH-60 Blackhawks. Later, she earned her master's degree in human resource management from Troy State University. So all of you out there from Troy can start waving your flags. Dawn has been a recruiting manager and a management trainer, an outdoor environmental science teacher. She coached high school lacrosse, and oh yes, in between all of that, she's a mom. Currently, Dawn is the Director of Human Resources for the Girl Scouts of the Green and White Mountains, and it is our pleasure to have her as our guest today on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hello, Dawn, are you with us? I am, hello. Hi, fresh out of the car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Did you have enough time to take your coat off? I, I did take my coat off and my shoes. Oh, good. <laughs> Don just drove back from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire just to be on our show, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, Don, um, you've you've I've I've known you for a bit now personally, but to to sort of have a glimpse of your background now um, has just given me a whole. I have so many questions to ask, and I hope that um, that I don't I, I don't get crazy with all of my questions because you have such a wonderful career. Um, Thank so you. So fascinating. When we talked, uh, when I said that you are a pilot, um, I wondered if when you first were thinking of enlisting in the service, did you consider the Air Force or did you go into the Army and then aviation landed in your lap? Well, it's funny. I I never thought about the military as a career at all. Um, Never crossed my mind. I I was in the college prep-bound classes um, in high school and... I took the words of my guidance counselor, who said, get in the best school you can and then worry about paying for it. And so I got into a great school. Um, I went to Lafayette College in eastern Pennsylvania and got there and said, wow, this is expensive, and now what? And um, so I really came in a roundabout way and uh, uh, had some friends that were very active, did rafting, did some cool things. They said, hey, come hang out with me, and and lo and behold, they were in ROTC. Um the leadership thing was, was a natural fit for me. I was class president in high school, and um, <clears throat> so that was a natural fit. And then they were very outdoorsy, and uh, they said, oh, hey, you can apply to get a, a scholarship, you know, for ROTC. And I'm like, really? So <laughs> so I kind of did that, and um, I ended up with a two-year scholarship and then um, enjoyed what I was doing, enjoyed ROTC and uh, the experiences. And then you get to a point when you're coming up on your senior year where you have to pick – what branch of the army you want to go in? Right, right. Um, and and they had Air Force ROTC where I went to school, but it was very small, and they went to a remote. They went to another school to do it. So yeah. I was exposed to that, but it wasn't as prominent as on my campus. So um, 
it wasn't like I waited against the other branches. It, it just kind of happened. Yeah. And, um, and then Don, when I looked at all my choices, I said, yeah. flying sounds the most fun to me. Wow. <laughs> and it's true. I think sometimes there's a passion inside you that you didn't realize it until somebody kind of says, you know, you should kind of look at this. John, we have our first commercial already. I uh, I know that it's came up quick on you. But um, on the other side of the break, I do want to talk a little bit more about ROTC before we get on to talking about once you did enlist. Um, because I think, as we had talked on the phone a little bit earlier today, um, sometimes there are choices that one does or maybe doesn't know about and whether ROTC was the is a good choice for some to make and as you say maybe it's a there's other choices for people to make today we have Dawn Zebor with us she is uh, a helicopter pilot she flew H1 Hueys and UH excuse me UH1 Hueys and UH60 Blackhawks we'll be back with Dawn Zebor right after the break Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. What does success mean to you? Money? Power? Fame? Having everything money can buy? Does it mean having a job or career that you love, a great family life, or simply to be happy? If you're still searching for answers, then join us each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for Primetime Success Radio, where Alan Skidmore and his special guests will discuss health, finances, relationships, being in business, and how you can have a life that is not only successful, but a life of meaning. Alan has been studying success principles for over 25 years through reading, attending seminars, interviewing successful people, and a daily lesson from the School of Hard Knocks. And now he wants to share that information with you. So join Alan Skidmore on Primetime Success Radio every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network, as he takes you on a journey of finding the heart of your success. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, military moms, welcome back. It's Robin Boyd with you today. Sandra's got the day off and we're wishing her well. Um, and I hope you're well wherever you are. The country is going through some crazy weather. It's either snowing or sleeting or freezing rain somewhere across the country. So I hope you're warm and staying safe and enjoying a cup of tea or something else with Military Mom Talk Radio. Today we have Dawn Zebor with us. Uh, she's an Army veteran, a helicopter pilot, and we're just getting to know her and all about the um, 
the military career and and what drew her to uh, becoming a an army pilot. Um, Don, when you said that you realized that college was going to be pretty expensive, you were uh, an ROTC uh, person, member, or do you say candidate? You weren't a candidate. You were in ROTC. You can you can participate in ROTC, and um, just if you're interested and you're looking into it, and then you mm-hmm. can also. Um, be on scholarship and kind of be required. You can, there's kind mm-hmm. of a one, once you, as a freshman, you can try it out, if you will. You can just kind of yeah. go and see what it's all about, and there's no obligation. But um, so I was kind of doing that, uh, and then I learned the more I was involved that I could apply for a scholarship. That's interesting. Do you feel that the ROTC program gave you a good, clear understanding of what would be ahead if you were to enlist in the military? Um, I think yes and no. I think the longer you're into it, the better a picture you get. Obviously, on a college campus, um, doing something once a week, uh, and then going back to your college life, you're not getting yeah. you're not getting a really really good look. Um, but they do a really good job exposing you and explaining and teaching you. And then as you stay in uh, the summer before your senior year, you would go to an officer advanced course. Or, I'm sorry, you would go to a basic training course. Um, I went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, just like anyone who enlisted in the military. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you get a different training because it's a little bit more geared toward a leader than a enlistee, per se. Mm-hmm. But that gives you an extremely good idea of what it's going to be like. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, you're basically doing the same thing that anyone who enlisted would do um, with some add-ons. And so after that, you really have a good idea of what you're kind of signing up for, if you will. Now, maybe for parents who are trying to help their children make decisions, what would be the difference for having an ROTC experience versus, say, in uh, applying for um, an officer's training school? Exactly. We talked about that a little bit. Um, I sat in my awards ceremony, and I kind of mentioned I was the class president, and I um, probably would have been a prime candidate for a four-year ROTC scholarship at whatever college I was admitted to. But I didn't know about it. I didn't know to ask about it. Um, I remember sitting there and watching uh, a co-classmate get a four-year scholarship to an Air Force ROTC program, and I didn't know about it. ROTC basically um, works with any college you choose. Now, not every college has every branch. Um, You might have it available, but you might have to travel to a satellite campus. So it kind of depends on where you go. versus going to West Point or Annapolis, things like that. Obviously, those schools are very prestigious. They're great. You have no financial burden when you leave those mm-hmm. schools. Um, if you ha- if your son or daughter has a very active and extracurriculars and has a great GPA and academic um, record, I would strongly suggest applying for one of those schools. And... Uh, a uh, little more to do up front than a normal college application, but it's it's not that difficult. And um, I would definitely pursue it. And obviously, there you're you're kind of living the military lifestyle, if you will, every single day versus mm-hmm. going through ROTC, where you can get a scholarship um, and it can help with your college and, and it can be significant. I think um, you know mine was two years. They paid for everything but my room and board, so that was not um, not a small thing. Right. Um, 
and then you still get the traditional college experience, if you will, by going ROTC. And you yeah. have a little more flexibility in where you go to school. Yeah, yeah, that I suppose is true. Um, and when you were um, uh, selecting your college uh, courses, were you thinking um, of what you were going to do for the rest of your life? Were you just, were you, were you impassioned about a particular major? Um, I, I, like most probably, right? I started out as an yeah. engineer. Um, I was good in math and science in high school and quickly figured out in college, that's not really what I wanted to do. Uh, switched entirely over to more of a government law major. Um, also got my teaching certification because I did enjoy teaching. So I, mm-hmm. I did that on the side as well. ROTC, just to, to mention for parents that might not know, uh, you usually are required to take one class on top of your normal course load when you're in ROTC. Hmm. And, you know, for example, freshman year, it's it's one credit. Uh, actually, normally you would get an A, so it helps your GPA. Yeah, <laughs> because, that's good. <laughs> you know, it's it's you're interested in it, and it's it's just basically learning what the what the military is about. So, um, rarely would you would you get a lower than an A. Um, and the first year, the freshman year, might be just learning the rank structure, learning how things are situated, learning what the branches are, learning the difference between combat arms and combat service support, um, things like that. I think the next semester I had map reading and compasses and orienteering and map reading. Um, so they're very, you know, they're very army driven, and they're an additional to your classes. So that's another way you get a little bit of that education as you go. But really, you can major in anything you want in ROTC and still um, end up with a commission in the Army on the other side. Yeah. Then when we, we were also talking, too, once you realized that, all right, you're, you did want to um, stay and enlist, you had a little bit of a say or you had zero say in where your commis- you were going to be commissioned? Um, so... I guess when you come in right um, right up the street, per se, and you enlist in the Army and mm-hmm. you're just joining, I think you have less, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> I know. You know you that know was a loaded question, is? but I... <laughs> the term is needs of the Army. You are going to yeah. go wherever they need you, and that yeah. that is really what it all boils down to. There's some things you can do to hedge your bets. Um, obviously, if your college major is in um, chemistry, there's, mm-hmm. you know, a high degree that you might go into a field where you're going to use that chemistry versus yeah. some other things. But the bottom line is where they need you, they're going to send you. I uh, knew I wanted aviation, so I hedged my bets by joining a reserve unit. Mm-hmm. They had a program at that time, and I don't know if it still exists, called Simultaneous Membership Program. So I would go and drill with the reserve unit once a month. And they paid you for that as a as a sergeant, as an E5. And it was basically an apprenticeship, if you will. It was a learning environment wow. for me where I could go and, again, get that exposure, see a real unit, see what they do. Um, I got to ride in a helicopter for the first time and see if that was really something I would want to do mm. and, and things like that. And then um, I got a letter from that commander saying, I will uh, take this candidate after graduation, and I have a slot for her in my unit. So aviation is very hard to get into, as is military intelligence in the Army. And Mm -hmm. I thought that would help a little bit. And it did, and 
and I, I did get aviation, but I, I didn't get to go to that reserve unit. I got extra duty. So, so it kind of worked in my favor. But again, needs of the Army weren't the same as my needs or wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, and there again, I guess I was kind of curious because if you have sort of, if you are going through ROTC, if you were able to sort of say, all right, I would really like to try to get into either here or there. Plus, um, I wanted to ask you at what point did you, did you ever consider the Air Force seeing that you were um, so driven to aviation? You know, it, it, was, it was, the aviation came after the Army. So it was more that I ended up with the Army because I had friends that were in Army ROTC, and mm. I enjoyed them, and I went to the activities they did. Um, there was probably four or five people on my campus that were in um, Air Force ROTC, and they had to go to a different school. And I, so I was already involved with the Army ROTC when I um, applied yeah. for the scholarship. And then after I got the scholarship... Really, then, only then, maybe end of my sophomore year, um, beginning of my junior year, did I start really thinking about what am I going to put down as a branch choice for yeah. what I want to do for a job. And then when I looked at everything, that's I thought, aviation, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds yeah. the best to me. <laughs> <laughs> and And you obviously found it to be very satisfying I guess didn't you because I think uh I think you've really enjoyed that oh yeah I was I, I mean I I think I commented to you earlier too I was so um glad it worked out that it was active duty because the experience and the people and I, I wouldn't trade that for anyone people ask me all the time you know would you want your kids to be in the military and um I I can't say anything about uh, bad about it I I think i the education, um, the experience, the maturity, everything I, I got from that time of my life has um, been so helpful and has made me who I am. I just would never, never change it. And I don't know that I would have gotten that same experience if I would have stayed in that reserve unit and been a teacher right. during the day. Right, right. So many times I've commented, too, uh, it is very difficult to sort of split yourself if you are uh, acting as a soldier or a, a Marine during the day and then have to sort of go back and put a different hat on it, off time. That's really tough to sort of split yourself. And um, I think even in the communications that we have, where you, the people who are deployed get to email. We never had that years and years ago. No, um, I never had that even. I'm not that old, but I never had yep. that either, no. Yep, so it's um, it, that's such a challenge. I think when you are in on a mission, you've really got to focus on your mission and then um, then kind of come back to military or civilian <laughs> happenings and what's happening in, in the world elsewhere. Um, we've got another break coming up, Dawn. Uh, we're talking to Dawn Zebor today. She is a helicopter pilot, um, an Army veteran, and we're thrilled that she's with us today. If uh, you want more information about her, read her biography that we have on our website and on the Toganet website. Uh, if you've missed any part of our show, do catch us at militarymomtalkradio.com. You can also find us right here on our Toganet station at toginet.com, T-O-G-I-N-E-T. You can find all of our shows, our 200 plus however many shows we've had. Um, we have a lot in the bank uh, at iTunes, so you're always welcome to download free 
podcasts of all of our shows. Again, we're with Don Zebor, so stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. It's not just time for a change, is it? It's much bigger than that. Can you feel it? It's time for a transformation. Will you now imagine that you can and will transform your life? Will you suspend your disbelief and imagine that all things are not just possible, but probable? Imagine that you will meet guides, mentors, and trusted friends who believe in you, hold your hand as they point the way, and teach you to trust your own wisdom. The first of these friends is spiritual girlfriend Gail Carruthers. Gail will show you how to believe. Believe your perfect divine wisdom will reveal your worthiness. Believe that knowing your power will open your boundless courage. Courage to live consciously, fearlessly, and joyfully. And then know, know all these things are already here and waiting for you to bring them into your divine life. She is here to help you discover, believe, and know. So join Gail, your spiritual girlfriend, every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you today on Military Mom Talk Radio while Sandra takes a day with the kids and has a great day off on President's Day. Today we're talking with Dawn Zebor. She is a helicopter pilot and has served flying the... Um, I'm, I never say these right, Don, and I'm so sorry. I want no, to say just a Huey and a Blackhawk. Really well. 
<laughs> a Huey and a Blackhawk. <laughs> My husband is a pilot, but he did not fly helicopters. He's a single engine pilot. And uh, um, so I, I want to make sure that I'm saying them correctly. Um, one of the things we were talking uh, a lot about how you found yourself in the military. Now, once you were enlisted, I've got to ask the question, did you feel any difference or did you feel any challenges being a woman, especially in a probably more male-dominated field? Um, Yep, definitely male-dominated. Aviation is combat arms, like Mm -hmm. infantry, like armor. Um, So there's not a lot of women in the field. Um, And I'll say yes and no. Flying a utility helicopter, there's more women in that field. Oh. Uh, women did not start flying the Apache uh, or the Cobra until a few years later. So those units were not used to the women as much as some of the lift units that flew the Hueys and the Blackhawks. Um, one of my very good friends when I served in Korea flew an Apache, and it was so few that she was known as number four. She was literally the fourth woman to fly an Apache. So, and that was, you know, I'm dating myself a little bit, but that was still in the 90s. It it wasn't Mm -hmm. that long ago. Yeah. Um, So the lift side was a little more used to it. But, yeah, there was definitely, obviously, um, I I won't say it was in my face every day, but it was something you dealt with. And I think it was more a little, you had to prove yourself a little more. Yeah. Um, I think they looked at you a little closer when you first got there. Um, I, I tell the story when I first got to my unit at Fort Carson, Colorado, and it, it, you kind of show up with your permit. You've been to school, flight school, and you know how to fly. You show up to a unit with your permit, and the instructors have to take you out and kind of sign you off, make sure you really did learn how to fly at school. And I tell the story of how they took me out to land um, on, on a landing zone, and I say on a landing zone. It was up in the in the... Rocky Mountains, they, they, it was called postage stamp, but it was basically a rock that was at 7,000 feet. Wow. And they said, land on that. Yep. <laughs> and um, luckily, I had a good day that day, and I did a good yeah. job. Um, and when we got back to the airfield and the crew chief, I, you know, I heard him telling somebody else, oh, she can fly. And so I don't know that they do that to every new pilot, um, mm-hmm. but, but I think, you know, they definitely test you a little more. Yeah, um, yeah. But once you pass the test, once you prove you have the skills and the knowledge, uh, you can do the job, then you're, you're just green. You're just one of everybody else. And mm-hmm. um, I really didn't feel a lot of um, that kind of a tension that way, you know, yeah. um, being a woman per se. When I right. went to Somalia, I, I bunked in a tent with three guys. Yep, um, yep. Sometimes women are separate, but it's an information thing. If I was separate, I wouldn't get the same information. Sure, And sure. I can be an adult, and I can um, conduct myself accordingly, and, and just sleeping. So, yep. um, yeah, so we were, I was just one of the guys that way, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it, ideally, that, that should be the way it should be. Um, sometimes you, you worry, though, that it's not. And in this, in this 
decade, you would think we've gotten over all of those stereotypes. But unfortunately, I think there's still um, maybe some misnomers. So I'm, I'm glad to know you were one of the guys. I mean, that's good. Because you were flying those things just like all the other guys and probably maybe a little better. We, we can say that. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Once you were in Somalia, what was uh, what were some of your responsibilities there? Um, I was a platoon leader there, so I had uh, a number of aircraft I was responsible for. So that would be um, maintenance, everything from oil checks and changes all the way up to replacing rotor blades when it was time or engines or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that was a bit of a... Um, I won't say shock, but when I first came out as a platoon leader, that, that amount of maintenance I was responsible for, coming out of flight school where you're learning to fly and, yes. you know, you want to do that, and then you kind of get into a unit, it's like, okay, it's all about maintenance. It's yeah. all about keeping them flying. So that was a large part of my job was, was maintenance. Yeah. Um, and then flying. We, mm-hmm. This was after Black Hawk Down, the mm-hmm. movie, and everybody kind of knows what happened. Um, and after that time, no convoys were allowed to go in the city. Uh, the we would fly shuttles, if you will. We would fly in mail. We would fly um, dignitaries in and out of the embassy, and, and no one would drive in the city anymore. So that was part of what we did was that service of shuttling things and people all around Mogadishu. Um, the other piece was eyes over Mogadishu. We had airplanes in the air um, 24-7. There was always someone flying, and it was just kind of letting them know you're there, keeping a deterrent presence to keep mm. anything from happening. And then we talked a little this afternoon, um, being a, uh, a trainer um, while you were there, you may have been one of the guys to our our military people, but you weren't necessarily one of the guys to some of the other people you were with. Um. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you what, were, were you when you were training some of the people from other countries. Were you saying oh, that? Oh, okay. I, I know what you were talking about, I was, and it was two different. Um, well, and I mentioned okay. we were talking about um, being a woman in aviation and things like that. And I, I had mentioned uh, to Robin. I mentioned to you that when I was at Fort Rucker, which oh, is the home oh, okay. of Army Aviation, I was in a training brigade there, and. I see. At the time, they trained, and I tied the two stories together, so I see why you Mm -hmm. went to the one first. Um, At the time, we trained about 98 countries, pilots, in the United States, which a lot of people might not be aware that we train that many countries' pilots. But it kind of stands to figure if we're selling them our aircraft, then we train them how to fly them. So we had a lot of officers from... (laughs) 98 countries, Saudi Arabia. Um, I always ended up with Saudi Arabians, so I guess that's why I, I remember those the most. But with that came a lot of cultural mores that they are not used to women giving orders. Not only women, they could not fly with someone who was of a lesser rank. There was a lot of customs and courtesies that they had that we had to recognize in our country. Sure. Um, and then when I was in Somalia, of course, as well, uh, the it was a UN group of people that were there. So there was a lot of other countries there, and it, definitely a double take when they would see a woman carrying a weapon, telling a man what to do. They just 
are not used to seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely notice that. And I, I think I told you the story. I had long blonde hair, and I would braid it and tuck it up under when I had a hat on walking around. But when I would fly, I would tuck that braid down under my Nomax flight suit and pull my collar up to protect me if there was a flash fire so my hair wouldn't catch on fire. But when I knew I was flying somebody who might be a little uncomfortable with a a woman pilot, I made sure to pull that out and let them know who was flying. I'm like, that was my little little way to let them know um, who was up front because otherwise we're all green. And that's why you were so wonderful, because you had that spirit, and you still do have that spirit. (laughs) And I love that. Um, We've got about three minutes before the break, and uh, I I know that that's not enough time to encapsulate um, what you may have done in South Korea, but was this, uh, how long were you in South Korea? Uh, Korea is usually a one-year assignment, and I was in an Apache battalion, so... Um, one of very few women there. Um, we were co-located with a South Korean Air Force base. Um, mm. And things are very serious in Korea, South Korea. I think, I don't know that, that again, people realize the op-tempo and how um, ready for anything the soldiers are that are there. And mm. they are. And, it's, and you feel it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your, your chemical mask is real. It's not a training mask. And you know you might have to wear it. Everything feels a little more real there. Hmm. Um, and and where did you fly, or were you there? Uh, what was your capacity there? I flew when I was there, and I was uh, the brigade S one, and that's a train uh, personnel officer. So I, see. I was in charge of all the HR things, you will, in in that battalion, as well as being a pilot. Yeah. And all of this certainly um, prepared you for your. Uh, departure from the military because this uh, is where you are now. You have uh, gone into HR management and um, did you think as you were doing all of these uh, positions in um, the military that yes, this is definitely what you were going to be doing when you got out? The HR piece fit for me, yes. I I wish I would do more of the aviation piece. I just haven't been able to incorporate that, but the personnel piece, I've always liked. Yeah, yeah. The only reason why I wanted to really kind of focus on that is because I think so many times people are doing what their job is in the military, but it's difficult to say, all right, how is this going to transition or transcend when I'm um, getting back into civilian life and um, that whole Play, replacing yourself into a new career or how can you transition bringing the skills that you've had with you um, on the other side of the break I want to talk a little bit more about after after the military and uh, how, some of the things that you've discovered at the VA and and how you have found um, life after the military we're talking today with Dawn Zebor. she is a, a helicopter pilot and a, a wonderful person in my life because she's the HR director for the Girl Scouts of the Green and White Mountains. We'll be back with Dawn right after this break. Thanks, Robin. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? 
Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Have you been laid off? Fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable steps to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a bachelor in nursing and master's of business administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul radio show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. We're so glad you're with us today. This is Robin Boyd with you. While Sandra Beck takes a day off, she'll be back with us next week. Uh, today, we're talking with Don Zebor. She is a helicopter pilot, an Army veteran. And if you've missed any of this show, oh, I encourage you to get the podcast because it's been a really a real treat to get to know more about Don. Uh, you'll always find our podcasts at Military Mom Talk Radio right here on our host station, Toginet. And you can always find free downloads at iTunes. Don, when we uh, left before the break, I wanted to merge into life after the, after the military. Um, you were very fortunate because some of the uh, jobs that you had in the military transcended very well when you were reintegrating back into civilian life. Um, did Was that because you had, do you feel it was because you had your college degree sort of under your belt before you left? Um, 
or I think, do you think it was something else? I, I think a combination. I was, I was thinking about one of your earlier questions, and the reason I ended up in a lot of these personnel jobs, um, when you would look at units across the board, they tended to put women in them. And I thought about that on the break. I was kind of thinking about it, and um, I don't think I mentioned that for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it was I, – I, I'm not going to speculate on why, but yeah. women usually ended up in that role um, as the S1, as the personnel officer. And I had done that at the um, battalion level, the brigade level, and then at the post level, and it just seemed to keep increasing in that area. So my master's degree, I went ahead and got in HR, thinking that would parlay well with the education and the experience into something I could, I could get a job on the, uh, you know, when I got out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very fortunate. I ended up my first job right out of the military. I was recruiting for a company called U.S. West, which is well at the time was part of the Baby Bell breakup uh, when oh, okay. Ma Bell owned all the phones. And so I had 14 states in the West, Midwest, um, that I was recruiting for, and they were looking for telecommunications technicians, um, central office technicians, people that installed the phone or worked in the buildings that had all the, housed all the equipment for the phones. And I was able to translate what that meant on the military side, what was the MOS, the job skill code, and then mm-hmm. I would go to military bases, Marines, Army, not, ju- not just Army, I would go to other bases as well, or military career fairs, and recruit folks with that skill that were getting out of their service branch and bring them into our company, because not only did they value the skill in that job, but the military background as well. Um, and, you know, and Perfect. I can, I can tell you time and time again, I would have a hiring manager and I would say, let me get you some folks. I get right. them one or two people. They'd call me back. They said, I want more. I want only military yes. because they would see the work ethic. They would see the other skills that came right. along with that candidate. Right. Right. Did you feel that the, uh, that the military helped your, um, your reintegration? Did they prepare you? Did you did you have family with um, housing ready for you when you got out? Did you have to find your own apartment right away? Um, I was a mid grade officer. I had I, everything was on my own. I had to mm-hmm. uh, find my own. One thing they do for that level captains per se getting out, and then they've expanded it now to senior NCOs. There's a few companies out there that uh, specifically have job fairs for military officers mm-hmm. and senior enlisted getting out, and they will hold them in, ho- in hotels, and they will, they've got relationships with there's, there's some key um, employers out there that like to hire military, and, uh, you know, the, they would come in and recruit and, and make a lot of hires right on the spot. So I, I did kind of go through that. Um, in, in looking for something coming out, and that is how I ended up moving to Denver and, and landing with U.S. West. On the enlisted side, um, the, the service centers that are at the installations when the soldiers are getting out mm-hmm. do an amazing job um, of providing classes on everything you can imagine to prepare them for the transition, as well as, if possible, find them a job. So there's a lot of resources there, and and Mm -hmm. that made my job as a recruiter so easy. I would just tap right into those and say, can I come and Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, on occasion I did mock interview classes to help them out, and then I would do my presentation. So they are really good about that um, as much as they're able to. Yeah, yeah. And I think this has changed. I know when my husband was in the service, it was just sort of, okay, here's a couple of bucks for a taxi fare, bye. And that was it. (laughs) He unfortunately didn't quite have that kind of transition support. And I think um, we've learned, and I'm very grateful that we've learned, because after serving as all of you have um the least i think we could do is at least give you a chance to transition and i and then again of course that's with a smooth transition if you have medical issues if you have those kinds of things to deal with that presents another whole um absolutely and and i'm a case in that as well they're not going to let you leave with a medical issue that's not resolved that's great that Um, i very grateful to hear. Yeah. So I, I was moving in that direction myself, and I was I was moving to getting out, and I went, you mm-hmm. take a physical before you get out. And I did have a, a very severe back injury and problem mm. um, that I was dealing with, and it was resolved enough in my mind. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, I was still moving ahead with my, my plans for my transition. Because you yep. have to plan at certain points, because either you're oh, reenlisting sure. or you're incurring more time, and every time you move or go to a school, it incurs more time. So you're mm-hmm. kind of always thinking about, am I staying or going, and what's my long-range plan? So I was sure. moving out with my plan, and I went for my physical, um, my exit physical, and they basically said, no, you're, you can't get out. This is too bad. We have to deal with this. We have to fix this. Wow. So... Um, that's important for people to know. They look at that yes. and, and they, yeah. they make sure they, they take care of you that way. That's so, wonderful. Um, and then that kind of leads in, I know you wanted to talk about the VA, and I think the number yes. one thing I can say is uh, it's on the soldier when they get out of the military. So even though everything was resolved, however it was resolved on my story, mm-hmm. once you leave, you still, it's incumbent on the soldier to go to the VA and in process through them. It's It's... It's not seamless. It doesn't happen just because you left. They don't send your records over, if you will. Mm -hmm. You have to physically go into the place near you, the VA, and and do the intake and document everything and get into their system. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of benefits available. And, um, you know, even if you feel like you're fine and there's nothing wrong, you should still do that because when you do need it, you might not want to wait a year if there's a backlog like there is now. And my husband's been on the show before, and his era was Vietnam, and obviously it was, um, as we were saying, was a different story. Now he has gone to the VA and had never stepped in the door of a VA, but he has gone in, and they gave him the testing that he needed. They gave him the information that he needed, and they have, and so even if you are not just a recent um, veteran, if you are a, a more past older veteran we'll just say it it's an older veteran um you still need to go because there are benefits for you and i will say it was funny i had a woman come in my office um to talk about a product she was selling um an extra benefit for our employees and as we were chatting i learned that her husband just got over cancer and that it was a specific type of cancer and that he was in vietnam and that he's never connected with the va and yes. I just, I just was, I was like, 
we didn't talk about anything else till she left till that. And, and, I, and I was like, you better tell me you're going to go. And if you are a Vietnam era and you have not connected with the VA and, and you know, um, you have any type of cancer, they, they have now, if you go to the VA website and kind of drill down and get to that spot where it talks about this, they just have a list of things now. If you have yes. any of these things and you were in at this time, you're covered. Yes. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to be examined. They, they've now linked so many things that if you have it and you were there, you know, go see them. You're going to be covered. They're going to take care of you. And, um, you know, I was guilty when I first got out. I was in a different mm-hmm. state, and I wasn't thrilled with the VA there. Uh, now I'm in New Hampshire. I can't say enough about it here. Yeah, so we are lucky. give them a mm-hmm. chance. You know, don't go by what you heard and, and get mm-hmm. over there and um, – you know, and the other thing, I think a lot of veterans, because of who we are, we always think there's somebody that's worse off that deserves to go there, and we weren't hurt that bad, or we don't, you know, we don't need to, or it's yeah. not necessary, we don't deserve it, and and that's yeah. just not true. Absolutely deserve it, and um Don, we are wrapping up the show. I'm so appreciative of this time because I think you have inspired so many young women who may be considering this avenue. You have reassured parents who have uh, their loved ones, in whether they are women or men. Of course, um, the angst is there until those boots are on the ground. And I think you've given us a little room for breath because... Um, you have just conquered this whole tenure and have just uh, turned it right around to be such a success. And you have some, and I loved your biography. You shot all of these details back me, had my kids, and then you went back to talking more about the So in between all of this, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I had a, co- I had a few kids. And <laughs> so say hi to your kids right now before we say goodbye. <laughs> I will. They're listening somewhere on the iPad in the house. I love it. Don Zebor, thank you so much for being with us, uh, Army veteran and helicopter pilot. And I am so grateful for your time, so thankful for your service. And we hope um, very grateful parents are out there thinking of an avenue for their girls, too. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Robin. Bye-bye. Next, next week, you're going to want to tune in. We have Debbie Gregory and talk about veterans opportunities. Uh, she is the director for the Veterans Military Business and Owners Association, as well as the founder of Military Connection. Debbie always has such interesting updates for us. We never know uh, what's new on the horizon, but Debbie sure keeps us in tune. Debbie Gregory will be right here on Military Mom Talk Radio next week. Have a great week, everyone. Stay warm and safe wherever you are in the country and we're so glad you joined us take care bye-bye